This is Latour Live with Dave Latour on News Radio WHP 580. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I just got stuck peeking Come at on. Twitter. Welcome to Latour Live. My name's David Latour, your proud host for the next hour. With me, as always, my co host on air fiance, Frank Schofield. Frank, how are we? Hey, now. <laughs> Michael Parks, a little bit frustrated on the big board. Michael, how are we? Now that things are fixed, it's a pretty darn good day to do radio. It is a darn good day, and we have so many things to talk about. First of all, I I actually don't know where to begin, so I'll just begin somewhere very basic. Did you guys have a good Memorial Day weekend? Uh, It was long, but yeah, I did. Long long is good. Yeah, but it got to the point where I was pining to get back to work. Not me. Really? We were hanging. We didn't do things. Like, my son's graduating on... On Saturday, Saturday, by the time our show airs 2 o'clock on Saturday, WHP 580, my son will be a high school graduate, and we're going to have about 50 people in our yard. Did you get uh, in right parks for that party? That's Yeah, I did. In, oh. fact, uh, <laughs> yeah. in fact, I'm... Uh, we're driving past your house uh, to uh, pick up the uh, the load of cash that you're going to leave out front. So, Frank, I'll take your uh, cash gift. Frank, for we you. didn't. Yeah, we didn't invite you, but if you could just have some cash no. ready and then maybe just buy us a case of burgers. If we'd you really get an invite, it. you have to leave cash. You have to at least send cash if you don't go. Correct. If you just, what, what we did is send invites and announcements. Invites to people who were invited to the party, but also announcements to people who weren't, so they could send my son. Cash. I have. Th- Three graduation parties to go to on Saturday. All right. Wow. Three. Wow. Sorry. Yours, yours not being one of them. Yeah. Well, Sparksy, I'm really glad you're coming. Man. I'll be, you know, Thanks I'll be Thanks for there accepting with that RSVP. I yeah. No, seriously, Memorial Day was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't do anything but stuff around the house and chill out for the better part of three or four days. And then I ended it last night by going to see Solo uh, with my kid. Disappointed? Mm-hmm. Loved it. I went on Loved Sunday. It. I loved Solo. It was okay. I, I loved it because it was fun. Yes. It's exactly what you would think a Han Solo movie would be. I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it. To me, it was much better than Rogue One. It was much better than either the two Star Wars movies that have recently come out. Yes. It was just a lot of fun to watch, and it didn't get bogged down in a lot of social justice so, BS. why did all the critics pan it? It was panned. And it, and it's 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not great. It's not bad. Seventy percent. Seventy percent puts you in the upper third. I only see an eighty plus movie if I'm going to a theater. Everybody's Star Wars out. That's why it gets. Such I think that's ratings. a really good point. Like we've reached a point yes. where maybe we're it's oversaturated. But for me, as a Star Wars fan, a true Star Wars fan, I can't get enough. Bring the next movie tomorrow. And this was a like Ron I'm, Howard. One. And I thought he did really, really well. And his ugly, goofy-looking brother was on there, too. Yeah, if you missed him, <laughs> yeah. he He's it, always in the films, man. He's in every one of those films. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Two guests coming up. The first one is my former English and journalism professor at Bishop McDevitt High School. His name is Dr. Robert Rempe, and he is putting on a musical at Bishop McDevitt uh, coming up here in June. Um, called The Rose of the Danube. Why do any of my listeners care about The Rose of the Danube? It hasn't been performed in a half century anywhere in the world. It's going to be performed here in Harrisburg. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there is a reason. We're going to find out. Yeah, That's Parks' uh, line, by the way. I stole that. <laughs> and then our next guest is... You know, I'm just glossing right over that. And then our next guest is Joe Farrell. And this guy's interesting. He and two of his partners 
have started a project where they are searching for all the grave sites of the founding fathers. And what they found in their grave search has been very, very interesting. So we're looking forward to talking with them as well. Um, so, yeah. So, look, I thought Solo was fun. Frank, I highly recommend it. I think based on me and Parksy's recommendations, you should be in. Yeah, I'll go. I'm in. Hey, got a really good update on... Uh, I don't know if I'm a theater guy on it, though. What do you mean? I might wait for home delivery. Okay. I haven't I seen the fair. last Star Wars movie yet. That's the, probably the reason why I like Solo. I don't think you missed anything. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I don't good. think you missed anything. Seriously. Hey, a frequent wonderful topic on our show is sports betting in Pennsylvania, and I just want to let you guys know that... We taped this show on Wednesdays, of course, and we're up on uh, we're up on our podcast page, WHB580.com podcast page, uh, by Wednesday evening. Also up on iTunes. Please subscribe. But today, being Wednesday, sports betting officially got into the express lane in Pennsylvania, according to Charlie Thompson and Penn Live. The Game Control Board passed its first set of temporary regs to bring the business to life. When you read the story, look, they're not going to start sports betting tomorrow in Pennsylvania, but basically they set up the process, Frank, to start applying for licenses. And once the application is received, uh, the Gaming Control Board has 120 days to review and award a license. So we are talking about theoretically and realistically not having sports betting legal in Pennsylvania by the start of football season, but certainly at some point during the football season and well before college bowl season. If it all works out, I wonder, so um, I wonder how Hollywood Casino would handle that. Where would they put it? Well, what's it? Space is never a problem. You can find space in a casino anywhere. I'm sure they'll make a temporary space. Yeah, all. you can find it anywhere. What's going to be really interesting is who's going to be setting the odds and the bets and the lines. You know, are we going to start seeing an influx of new of of Las Vegas professionals that would then come into pet? There's good. You're going to see an influx of two different people. You're going to see Vegas professional handicappers getting paid top dollar in states like Pennsylvania. And then you're also going to see professional betting sharks coming into states like Pennsylvania looking well, for bad lines, looking for bad lines on sporting events. Isn't Penn Gaming big enough where they do have a location in Vegas? They could just go off of those odds or whatever. Why do they need someone local here? They could, but typically when you're across state lines, you're going to hire your own people locally. That's what a lot of casinos do. So to to automatically assume that all these casinos, just because they have properties in Vegas, are going to use their Vegas guys isn't necessarily always but, the case. But the numbers di- are dictated by supply and demand of what's wagered then after yes. once the line starts. Yes. So they just need a starting point. But you can find mistakes in starting points. Okay. I mean, that's the big thing. But do you, this is all, you have to do something in-house, so you have to go to a casino, so I can't sit at home on my computer and... No, according to Pennsylvania state law, you can, with with the law that they did to set up to pay the path for mm-hmm. sports gaming, there's also iGaming involved, so you, I think you will be able to play sports bets on your uh, personal device, whatever that personal device is. And then, Frank, there's also some casinos that don't have properties in Vegas and don't do sports betting. Like, you look at the Rivers outfit in Pittsburgh. Right. You know, that's that's a situation where they, they don't have a Vegas property. Why, can I do some Ambien uh, sports betting uh, while Ambien. I'm doing it, too? Let's talk well, about Ambien. Look, you know, hey, apparently <laughs> Ambien, apparently Ambien is, racism is not a side effect for Ambien. Oh, okay. Of course, we're talking about the Roseanne Bar tweet. Nobody has ever 
shot to the moon so high with a with a television show twice like Roseanne, but the second version bombing to the ground. I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, I was really busy yesterday when all hell broke loose on this. It happened fast and furious. You know, for anybody who has been hiding under a rock, Roseanne basically put out a tweet at two o'clock in the morning comparing former Obama uh, um, Attorney General Valerie Jarrett. Uh, basically, the tweet said Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, Valerie Jarrett. So any way you slice it, disgusting, racist, uh, horrific. Uh, doesn't matter if you're Republican or Dem- Democrat, liberal or conservative. There's no business having something like that, saying something like that. She described it and apologized for Ambien tweeting at 2 a.m. And then I think Ambien, in just a stroke of public relations genius, and quite frankly, they needed to say something anyhow. Give them all the credit in the world. Came out with a statement that racism is not a known side effect. But do you think all media companies would have reacted the same way? Yes. Especially today. Especially today. I think what media companies need to do now is they need to hold everybody to the same standard. They need to hold everybody to the same standard because, you know, people have said other, you know, questionably questionable statements, uh, uh, borderline racist statements. I, I think the bar now has been set. No pun intended. Well, what was the Laura Ingram thing when she when she was banging on that? Kid. Shut up and dribble. Yeah, when she was banging on that kid. Well, that wasn't racist. I, I know it's not racist, but there are things that are horrifically but she told sad. LeBron, she told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. Oh, that was the that was to LeBron. me. That's to me. That's racist. Yeah, I think that's racist. And I think she should have been fired. Yeah. Well, you just said everybody, everybody would do that, Why and then that's that not the ra- case. No, I, I think my w- no. I said that this sets the standard. It's, it this sets the standard. Well, we'll see if others fall in line then with that. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. There's a Look, lot of bad. I, there's a lot of bad things said out there by people in media. Yeah, there. yeah. I just think in. Look, I I, th- I thought what Ingram said was repulsive and dumb and and not well thought out. And I don't think there's any place for for somebody to have a national television show who speaks that way. But that's I, just I my opinion. Get, I I really have to disagree with you. I don't see that would be like telling me or s- telling me shut up and stay behind the mic. Yeah, no, there there is a line there, but there That's is not, a, it's not there, wasn't there racist. Is a, was an, I think it's absolutely racist because she his... she equates. I think she equates basketball largely with African American uh, athletes, and I I thought it was racist. Oh, and I think you're really stretching. I don't. Yeah, I don't. You're wrong, Frank. You're wrong. My and show. There... My show. You're wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my show. You're wrong. What do you think? Frank? <laughs> no, I, I think that I think some people there are are racist out there, and, yes. and that does represent part unfortunately, of our society. And, you know, this is the land of the free out there and free Shut speech and, and, ha- and have at it. But it, Shut up and dribble. I don't think there's anything funny. funny about that. But, but, but where they stand, that's where they, that's where they fell. They said they didn't want to tolerate that, but some companies might. Some companies would go for the dollar on that because there are some listeners that would want to hear that. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I, th- you. I think there's plenty of Plenty of listeners that want to hear that. I think it's a lot of the race baiting that takes Sucks. place on cable Sucks. news. That's yeah. why I don't listen to cable news anymore. Don't listen to it. It's bad. Don't watch it. You I'm proud of it. It's the same. I don't follow them on. I don't follow them on social media anymore. I don't. I, I'm so much happier, Parksy, as an as a human being, not watching or paying attention to cable yeah. news. I actually watch sports more now. It's the same volume every night or every day. It's the same. Same noise level. Yeah. And it's all the same crap recycled. It's a 24-hour news cycle. It's total crap. Yeah. It's all made-up hype. 
I mean, it's all for ratings. All How many times can we talk about Donald Trump? How many times can we talk about Hillary Clinton? How many times can we talk about Barack Obama? How many times can we talk about Russia? I'm just tired of that crap, and I've been so much happier for it. Hey, listen, we got a great show lined up for you today. Coming up, um, former Bishop McDevitt English and Journalism Professor Bob Rempe is going to talk to us about an operetta that he's bringing to uh, the Mid-State area and why you should be interested. Frank, stop laughing. Sorry. It's Parks. Parksy. I did laugh. Don't do it, Parksy. I did laugh. I'm telling you right now. I, I did laugh. That's it. I'm punching both of you guys. There's a reason why. Hey, guys. We'll be right back. Latour Live. WHP 580. WHP 580.com. We're live with Dave and Frank on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back, everybody. A decidedly understated, lovely song to bring us back in. It is actually part of Rose on the Danube, which is going to be performed at Bishop McDevitt High School on June 8th and June 9th. And with us now, my old English and journalism professor, Dr. Robert Rempe. Doc, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you doing? Good, my friend. So, look, it's been about, believe it or not, I think, jeez, uh, I've lost track, 30 years since I've been in high school. And I know you've been going after Rose on the Danube for quite a long time. For people that don't know, it was once a very popular operetta who has, that has now not been performed for over a half century, and you're bringing it back to life at McDevitt. Can you explain... In about a minute, let it give it give us a sort of the background on why this has been such a fascination and a quest for you. Well, basically, it's been uh, something I've been interested in since first I saw it, which was in 1961. I do go back that far. I know I you was do. doing my student teaching at North Scranton Junior High School, and they were putting on. Rose of the Danube, and I saw it, and it made an impression. And ever since then, I've been trying to find out as much information as I could. And uh, with the advent of the Internet and Google, my research, you know, doubled and tripled. Without that, without the advent of the Internet, is it safe to say you could not have pulled this off? Exactly, because all of the materials are hidden away in, in music libraries. And who is helping you put on the operetta? I know you have well, a partner in this, a whole group in this. Right. It's um, an organization that's called Capitals opera company it's uh the ceo is kathleen torsha travers uh, kathleen is a graduate of mcdevitt and her husband john travers sure is also a graduate of mcdevitt well in, about a year ago i had the good fortune of uh having uh, an article written about me and Rosa the Danube in the Wall Street Journal. 
I just have to stop you real quick. How the heck did a story get written about you in the Wall Street Journal over this? Well, I read an article about this. Is, this is going to be convoluted. I read an article, an article about uh, the song "Walking in a Winter Wonderland." Sure. And the author, I got in touch with the author because that was written in Pennsylvania. And she did a wonderful story about how that song came about. So I emailed her and I said, oh, that's only one song. Have I got, <laughs> gotcha. have I got news for you? Well, she took me up on it. Her name is Claire Ainsbury. She's the bureau chief of the Wall Street Journal. And she uh, drove in from Pittsburgh and interviewed me. The next day, a photographer came, and the rest is history. It was February 9, uh, 2017. And now so here back to your question, uh, someone told Kathleen Torsha Travers about the article, and she said, that's something my opera company could do. She gave me a call, and that's where we're at. Can you tell us why? It's a fascinating story. Can you tell us why this song and this performance really made an impact to you way back when and why it is so different from any anything else that is played now currently with opera? Well, I think it's just uh, I, I could boil it down to four things, okay? We got time. It's, number one, it's hysterical. Number two, it's historical. Number three, it's happy. And number four, to put it on, is Herculean. So there's four H's. It's kind of like this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with uh, Dr. Robert Remfe, uh, former uh, Bishop McDevitt English and Journalism professor, my former uh, teacher, a uh, man that had a great impact on me in my life. And now here you are, Doc. You are literally less than two weeks away from this being performed, thanks to you, at Bishop McDevitt High School. How does that feel? Well, it, it feels pretty good. Although I was talking to my wife this morning, and I said, you know, I kind of feel like the puppy who keeps running after the car. You know, and I wonder, what's he going to do if he ever catches it, you know? <laughs> yeah, what happens after that, right? Can, can you give us any stories about Dave as a youngster that maybe he, he would not want anyone to not know gonna, about? He doesn't remember Can you stay out of this? He can, doesn't can, remember can you, me at school. Can you, can you tell us any stories about him that he wouldn't want us to know? I'm sure they're all complimentary if he did. Did he wear any kind of weird t-shirts to class? No, because I went to McDevitt. He had to dress up, pal. <laughs> did he wear any weird t-shirts? Would you both stop talking and let him answer? Okay. I, I'm sworn to secrecy on that, I think. Brilliant. Brilliant. I would just say I would just say that the few people know that in college I was an English literature major. I kissed yeah. I was an English literature major and I was an English literature major because of the gentleman we're talking to on the phone right now who actually found a way to make Shakespeare fascinating and interesting. And my first journalism teacher as well. And that's why I went into journalism. That's why this man has had such a 
Well, I have a radio show today because of this man. Because of you, Doc Rampy. I've got a radio show, and I just want to thank you for that. And I can't thank you enough for coming on our show today. And, hey, how do people get tickets? I know they're $20 for adults and $10 for students. How do we get tickets ahead of time, or, or should we just show up to McDevitt that, that, uh, on June 8th and 9th? Well, either, either way, they can buy them at the door. And if they, um, if they do Rose of the Danube Harrisburg, if they do a Google search, uh, it'll tell you. I think the site is called Eventbrite. Gotcha. Yes, that is. Yep. Okay. And uh, Eventbrite.com. You can purchase, yeah, you can purchase online. Doc, thanks so much. I can't wait to uh, take in the show. I'm going to the June 9 show at 2.30. I'm really looking forward to catching up with you. Thanks for everything you've done for so many years for so many kids. And uh, um, can't wait to uh, take in uh, your life's work here coming up. Thank you so much. Okay, Dave. Thank you. Take care, Doc. Right. Bye now. Dr. Robert Rempe. Rempe. I want to say Rempe, and I don't know why. It's Rempe. Bishop McDevitt, Bishop McDevitt High School. I mean, that guy, you talk about teachers that get you involved in classes and get you involved in, it's so hard to get kids involved in literature. Oh. Especially when you have a class at like one in the afternoon and kids already thinking about football practice or last thing they want to think about is is Macbeth. And he would act out the place and himself and it just made you laugh and get you really interested in it. We'll be right back. Latour Live, WHP 580, WHP580.com. Latour Live lives on our podcast page at WHP580.com. Welcome back to Latour Live. You, you, you play that song Wang Chung a lot, too. You play that a lot. We need to freshen up these bumpers. Brutal. The bumpers are pretty standard around here, I think. They're boring is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, he's just... Wang Chung? Who peed in your pancakes today? No, I kind of oh, like I'm Wang sorry. Chung. I kind of oh, like sorry. Wang Chung, but I like... just think we play that song too much we on just bumpers. We the same... Wasn't this one of the Dave Request ones? It, it no. was. I, I, I'm not opposed to it, but we just hear it a lot. It's the That's whole all. HP 580 music bed plethora. We play that a lot, too. Midnight Oil. You know, they have a song called Harrisburg. Midnight Oil. No, Check it don't. out. Check it out. It's called Harrisburg. Really? Yes. They're from Australia. I mean, there's another Harrisburg in Australia? I was an 80s DJ. I know. Yeah, you were. I know I was. Hey, want to bring in a couple guys that I saw in an article on Penn Live not too long ago, uh, Joe Farrell and Joe Farley. And a lot of people know me know I'm a huge history buff, huge revolutionary war era history buff. I love everything about it. And they are doing the coolest project right now. They were gonna, they're, they're going around and looking for the grave sites of our founding fathers. Uh, as everybody knows, in 2026, it's our nation's 250th anniversary. Uh, hard to believe. Um, and they set out to find all the graves for the founding fathers. And what they're finding is pretty interesting. In some ways, exciting. In other ways, pretty darn sad. I want to welcome in uh, Joe and Joe, Joe Farrell and Joe Farley. Guys, how are you? We're good, Dave. Never better. Would it be safe to call you guys grave hunters? I mean, it sounds <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not offended. <laughs> so you guys, it didn't start. You guys are doing a book project, right? Kind of tell us what happened. So you're doing a book project, and then it's kind of morphed into something else altogether, correct? Yeah. We 
we've written 13 books, pretty soon 14 next month, uh, about famous people that are dead. Um, it's a series of books, Keystone Tombstones. It's all about the famous dead people in Pennsylvania. I read it. And then we have, I read it. And then we have, did you? Oh, yes. There you go. Good. And then we have um, uh, Gotham Graves, which is about uh, dead, famous dead people uh, in the New York City area. And, and, and so we got this idea of why don't we do the founding fathers, graves of our, our founders. And, and we were so, uh, after visiting a number of the graves, we were kind of um, embarrassed or shamed, actually, into, in, in, about the state of a lot of the graves. And we decided we ought to try to do something about it. So you set up, there's a website now, adoptapatriot.com, where you're asking local organizations and communities and just really anybody to help with the upkeep of uh, some of these sites. Uh, according to Penn Live article, you said, you said a third of the graves you found are in disrepair. Some cannot even be found. Great founding fathers like George Clymer of New Jersey. There's only six people to sign the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. George Clymer's buried on the edge of a parking lot, correct? Yes, yes. What do you what do you remember about that that moment? I mean, for those of us who understand who George Clymer is, I mean, are you just shocked? Are you, is it because you think of every one of them? I've been to Philip Livingston's uh, um, uh, grave in Prospect Hill Cemetery in New York, and I think it's fantastic. Um, but you think everyone's going to be like that. Everyone's going to be like George Washington. Everyone's going to be like Benjamin Franklin's, but they're just not. No, we were, we were actually stunned at times by the condition. Clymer was one, uh, not only, I mean, he's, he's in the back, it's in Trenton. He's in the back of an old, uh, meeting house in a very, very small cemetery, but literally they built the parking lot right up to the very edge of his grave. And there's a very small marker, uh, nothing really commemorating the man's accomplishments. It, uh, it was, it, 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 we considered it shameful, to tell you the truth. Richard Henry Lee, who made the motion for independence during the Second Continental Congress, is buried in a soybean field, correct? It, yeah. It's really, it's really bizarre. It, it's, it's bizarre. What, what used to be there, I guess it used to be his homestead. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. And so they built a brick wall around his grave and a couple of his uh, relatives' graves, a brick wall, and it's in the middle of a huge soybean field, and the only access is on this, it's going for like a couple of miles on this dirt road. <laughs> yeah, there's no, and you would never know it was there unless, unless you did the research. No signage, no national park no, distinctions, nothing. no nothing. And there are founding fathers. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any that you were pleasantly surprised when you found the condition they were in? Any of those stick out to you? Um, well, you know, I mean, the, the well-known ones are are, sure. are are certainly well kept. I mean, Jefferson is 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 very well kept. Of course, George Washington is terrific. Sure. Um, uh, but I was happy about Caesar Rodney. Caesar Rodney has a nice monument, yep. And, uh, yeah, he has. He's memorialized not just at his grave, but with a big monument in downtown um, downtown um, Wilmington. Wilmington. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a big monument to him, and it's very, very. And very there's nice. signage off the highway for him, for his yes. uh, for his homestead. So Delaware does do a good job with that. 
And you mentioned Livingston. His is a his is a very uh, a very nice monument, which is quite different from the Livingston that's buried in New York. We just we just visited him. Which Livingston was that, Joe? There was absolutely nothing. Um, nothing was, marking uh, his significance. Nothing at all. And he was on the actually on the committee that was charged with drafting the Declaration of Independence. He was one of the five that was with on Thomas that Jefferson. That's correct. Yes. Have you guys ever considered reaching out to Atlas Obscura? I mean, that's that's a pretty well-known website out there for obscure Atlas places and locations across the whole world. Um, I've followed it. It's been featured on the CBS Sunday Morning Show. I've seen it featured many places. It's a really good. Have you ever considered reaching out to these guys? I'm sure they'd be fascinated by your findings. No, but I will. Yeah, it's right. something we'll look into for sure. Well, these guys will definitely help you promote it because these guys are great. We're talking with founding father grave hunters Joe Farrow and Joe Farley, uh, who are setting setting out to. Uh, really draw attention to the fact that so many of the grave sites of our founding fathers are in disrepair. Uh, tell us about the website, adoptapatriot.com. Well, um, it's, it's, it's a developing project. We're making, we're trying to make it better and better as we go. And it's only, okay. We've only visited just over, just over 50% of the, of what we list as the founding fathers. Sure. And, and we're, and as we go, we put data on there about their grave. We give them a rating, and, and we even recently put up a page called the Wall of Shame, and those are the ones that we think just are shameful. Right. <laughs> graves that are shameful. And, it's, of course, it's not completely populated. We have a lot to go, but already um, it's, it's provoking a lot of thought and a lot of interest, and, um, and we're glad about that. And we're, we're going to continue to populate it, continue to make visits, uh, like Joe said, we just uh, went through uh, upstate New York. We got some more scheduled visits, and we'll continue to populate it. That's what I was actually going to ask you. What's on the uh, docket this summer? Any uh, specific founding fathers you're targeting, or do you just take them a state at a time? Well, yeah, we, it's not really state at a time, but like an area maybe at a time. Sure, sure. And um, um, one thing I wanted to say, Dave, is that one of the surprising good ones, I thought, was James Smith in York. I've been there. Who signed? Who signed isn't that nice? It's, uh, it's in a nice little in. courtyard in a cemetery yeah. right in the middle yeah. of York. And if you you wander into it, you see the cemetery there. If you're down ever having lunch, I forget the name of the church. First Presbyterian. First Presbyterian Church. And right in their back, sort of in the back area there, beautiful little courtyard is a, uh, is, is a member, a founding father who signed the Declaration of Independence. Right yes. there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize how historic York was at one time, at one time being our temporary capital during the Revolutionary War. That's right. Yes. Um, And on that note, Philip Livingston of New York, who was buried in Prospect Hill Cemetery, Frank, a lot of people don't know this. He was so sick when he left, he knew he wouldn't survive, but he still went to the meeting. He still went to Continental Congress and he did die. Got it done. He did die in York and he was buried there. They never brought him back. There you go. Yeah. Take a lesson from him, Frank. (laughs) <laughs> well, Colin sick. Well, I think it's something to say about the yeah, determination the and the right. fiber that these founding fathers had. and That's not getting and, in your car either. And how disrespectful I think we are to their memory in so sure. many ways. It bothers me. Yeah. I think that's it bothers right. you guys too, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Signing the Declaration of Independence was an act of treason punishable by death. 
And yet these guys, and a lot of them had a lot to lose. A lot yeah. of them were very well off. A lot of them <laughs> did lose everything. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. Yeah. During the Revolutionary War. I mean. Absolutely. Guys, I just want to thank you for being on today. Um, once again, we go to adoptapatriot.com. Are we going to turn this journey into a book as well at some point? Oh, yeah. We have three volumes of the Graves of Our Founders uh, planned. And the first one's about 20% done, I guess. Yes, yes. We <laughs> hope to have the first volume out sometime later this year. Can you guys do me a favor? When it's ready to come out, come back on the show. Let's talk about it and kind of go through oh, sure. some of it, okay? Absolutely. Sounds, sounds happy great. To. Yes. Joe Farrell, Joe Farley, Founding Father Grave Hunters. Really appreciate having you guys on. Check out their website, adoptapatriot.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. We'll be right back with uh, Latour Live, WHP 580, WHP580.com. Tour live anytime online on our podcast page at whp580.com. We hear the we hear the song a lot too. This is a gonna, this is a very casual bumper. You're gonna upset him. Soon. Common bumper. You're gonna upset him soon. Welcome back to Latour Live, Dave Latour with you. Coming up here on our last segment of the show. Cry babies. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I actually love that. I, I would actually like that to be the bumper. He's okay to a point. <laughs> He's okay to a point, but if you say it again, he'll he'll go he'll go over that line. Yes, he will. Oh, yes, Mister. It's, oh, it's fine. Okay. You say that now. You say, it's Dave's show. It's whatever oh, he wants. Dave. I'm just I'm just Dave. I'm just hitting the buttons. Dave. I appreciate that. And then what we'll You're do great, is, Dave. you know, what we do is like Dave and I when we started the show, we came up with some music beds that we liked. <laughs> You're right, Parks. We did. We had a list of music beds. But Thank you, you honest, And Frank, when we did the old barn hockey show, Frank told me, do not play Def Leppard. He doesn't want to hear what? any rock and roll songs. I'll tell you right now. Did you a- go to the Def Leppard concert? Horrible. Horrible. Def Leppard Journey, Journey and Def Leppard. I heard Journey sucked. They sucked. They mailed it in. But I heard Def Leppard was good. I didn't. Well, not I thought, one person told me Def Leppard was bad. I thought it was a money grab. I thought the stage was light. Oh, yes. Lights didn't do anything. It was just a money grab. Just a stupid thing across the back. A couple bug lights. If you have 30,000 people there, that's a lot of freaking money. They jammed it in, didn't they? 30,000. It was packed. I I mean, perfect storm. I've seen better concerts than that not packed. Yeah, and there's some good shows coming up, too. I thought about who I'd come out of retirement to see (laughs) concert. I was was, was on a run the other day. Mm -hmm. Parks and I both run. Yeah. Uh, I was on my run the other day, and I said to myself, myself, who would I go see if I wanted to go to a concert again? And right. Phil Collins. Ew. Oh, yeah, I Genesis, would. Genesis, Phil Collins. I'd come out of retirement for that. He's in Philadelphia coming up in like next Only month. If he'd have to come to Hershey. He'd have to come to Hershey for me to go. I'm going to U2 in two weeks. I mean, he's, he's playing Dave's graduation U2. party. I haven't seen him in a while. I can never go to U2 again because my favorite album was Joshua Tree, and they did the Joshua Tree tour, and I thought that was a perfect way yeah. for me to say goodbye to U2. Right. I thought you said goodbye to concerts with Paul McCartney. Right. Now, but I told you I came out of retirement <laughs> for U2. Well, my All wife had spent a ton of money stupid. on tickets, and I kind of couldn't mm. say no. And and I'm, I'm glad I did. How old are you? 48. Done see, with see, concerts. See, you don't remember. See, you know who else I come out of retirement for? Jason Isbell. 
Jason Isbell, somebody I would come out. Oh of. yeah, no, ever, never, never. No, you would never. No, I was just kidding. He's playing at uh, Dave's hear... Dave's graduation party too. Yeah, I, I'm Phil gonna, Collins. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have her at. I'm gonna. Jason is she? You know she's nice. I'm gonna have her at at Gus's graduation party yeah. this Saturday, four yeah. o'clock at my house. Four yeah. o'clock. You're coming, right, Parks? Oh man, I would be there for the pregame thing. But yeah, I would come. I'm at, not biting. I would come out of retirement <laughs> for Phil Collins. I just one of the biggest voices of the '80s. If he came to Hershey, no, I would here's go to the a problem. Concert. When they get old, they change the tempo. They yeah. change You're the very, intent. That's right. they, very they right. Change, You're right. They, they change the filters on which their is, song. Which is why then, I won't go to Elton John concerts anymore. He sounds no, completely different. Good. Nah, please. He doesn't sound the same. Hasn't for years. I saw him at Giant Center last time. He was through his grace. I saw him in Vegas. Phil done. Collins, though, he used to be an edgy. That Genesis Phil Collins, that used to be edgy. That you don't think he's modern. edgy anymore? No, he's like, yeah, Can't hurry, follow love. me when you Could you please never me. sing oh, on my song? It's hard. Nobody even. I've seen him. I've seen recent. Uh, footage of them. It's horrible. Is he going to do Can't horrible. Hurry, Can't Hurry Love? Good. You go to Can't Phil Collins. Payday. Have a good time. So it's another payday oh, cash it in concert. payday. Huge. What concerts are you going to in Hershey this year? I'm going to go to Zach. Zach Brown Band's coming. That'll be good. That's like a college party. It's like a backyard party. Yeah, but party. you're not in college anymore. But it's a, ba- it's a good you're time. You're like 50 years past college. Um, who else is coming that's going to be good? I think Maroon 5 will be good. Uh, Sturgill Simpson's coming in September. Who the hell Sturgill He's Simpson. on with Willie Nelson during that Outlaw Festival. And I am so oh, over the Willie Nelson oh, stuff. I, I saw you tweet that the other day, like, because he canceled a concert. He walks, he's just, I'm so tired of, what? I'm Willie Nelson and I smoke pot deal. I'm tired of it. <laughs> what, were you tired because he cancels concerts no, a lot he, or just him in general? Because he doesn't sing, he talks when he sings. All his songs he just talks through. Is this a Willie Nelson song? Funny how time slips away, Frank. Oh, yeah. So that, you're saying be, this is not a good show. Tedeschi Trucks Band is in that show also. So you're just you. So you're the only guy in the world tired of Willie Nelson. No, everybody's tired of Willie Nelson. I'm I don't not think alone. so. Yes, if you go see Willie Nelson, put a big L on your forehead because that's how I look at you. I would not go. I would not come out of retirement for a Willie Nelson concert. That's shocking. Neither would I. But I would for Phil Phil Collins. Would you do it for Van Morrison? Van Morrison is on that tour also. Ooh, that's a good one. He's opening up for Willie Nelson. That's a good one. Does he still have his voice? No, but what he does is he keeps his band really tight and close, and it should be an indoor show. Yeah. Van Morrison should not be an outdoor show. That's just my opinion. More I intimate. Know more Nancy, intimate. Nancy Ryan from uh, Nancy and Newman on Bob, she, lo- she loves that show, and she's going to go again. Yeah. So he doesn't sound like this anymore. Is this Van Morrison? Yeah, crazy oh love. Oh, my God. It's crazy stop. friggin' love. Stop. Don't act like you know more about music than me. I don't. Just stop. I, I I could not possibly know more about music than you, but I knew that was Van Friggin' Morrison. Okay, so, hey, look. It's Wednesday when we tape, so Saturday when we air, but I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about Brian Colangelo and this nightmare with the Philadelphia 76ers. Tell, just, can you give me a Cliff Notes version of what's happening? Yes, I'm a huge 76ers fan, as everybody knows. Well, a report came out last night. An unnamed source went to a uh, a website called, uh, I, don't, I don't even remember the name of the website, and I had never heard of it before. But anyway, they came up with this story that Brian Colangelo, who's the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, had five anonymous Twitter feeds. And within those anonymous Twitter feeds, he would criticize Sixers players, other GMs, past Sixer GMs. I mean... Like burner burner accounts. 
to yeah burner accounts. That's, that's right. exactly what they are. And and you know to follow the famous quote, you just can't make this stuff up. And so uh, I immediately uh, the the website's called the Ringer. The Ringer. So yeah, no the Ringer. Ringer. The traffic at the Ringer is probably at an all time high. You might even they might even have crashed their site today. I'm on well, a this is such off. a big deal. I mean, I my my initial thought in the morning was he came out and denied it. So let's not everybody jump on this guy and just assume he's guilty. But if you read the Ringer story closely, the first time the reporter from the Ringer contacted the 76ers, within minutes, I believe it's within minutes, the other the, the anonymous websites were all changed to private. This afternoon, within hours of the call, all three of the accounts within I have discussed with the team switched from public to private, effectively taking them offline. So if you don't know Twitter, yeah, if you don't know Twitter, hey, you go private, you can't look at the tweets. <laughs> so he turned them all off. Whether it's him or a friend or a relative, nobody knows. But those are way too many coincidences for me to think that he was not involved somehow. And And... To me, it's a larger problem with social media. I think if you have an anonymous site on social media, you are a friggin' coward. I think you are an absolute coward. Don't go on social media if you can't use your name. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about the people that are taking down the powers that be that might have a huge story that they want to leak and they're afraid. I get that. But when you're doing what Brian Colangelo did here or his associates or somebody close to him did, you are a friggin' coward. When you go on social media with an anonymous site and you criticize people because you don't like them with an anonymous handle, you are a coward. You are a friggin' coward. I don't engage with people. A lot of people come at me on Twitter for the things that I say, and I get that, and that's all part of it, and I I think it's fun, and I respect everybody's opinion, but I'm not going to acknowledge you if you're a coward anonymous poster. And if this is Brian Colangelo, he is an anonymous coward poster. Here's his favorite favorite, uh, web Phila one two three four five six seven. Well, that's the site that he acknowledges is his. That <laughs> a lot of GMs around the league have 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 accounts like that where they just monitor news and and it's anonymous, so they don't attract attention to themselves. Sure. What's different is the guy created four or five other burner identities where he's actually commenting. He's critical of players on his own team. He's releasing health information about them, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is a HIPAA b- violation. I mean, this is a disaster. And as a Sixers fan, we're already sort of down because this is the background on the Sixers is, you know, we were trusting the process. Sam Hinkie was a GM. We were tanking the league to get draft picks. The league forced him out. The league literally forced the Sixers to fire him and bring in the Colangelo family, and Brian Colangelo was installed as a GM, the son of a famous basketball guy, the son of a famous basketball guy, a guy that didn't didn't do anything in Toronto for five years. He comes in, he trades away our third pick in the draft last year to move up two spots to take Markel Fultz, who hardly plays all year. Meanwhile, they trim to our arch rival, the pick to our arch rival, the Celtics, who just sit back, take another first round pick from us, and then pick uh, uh, Jason Tatum with the third overall pick, who just lit up the playoffs. And 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 so Danny Ainge of the Celtics made us look like fools, and now this guy's embarrassing us even more. As Sixers fans, I, I just couldn't be more disgusted with this. 
So Twitter taking down the Sixers and Roseanne all in one fell swoop. Twitter is so damn powerful. Oh man. And do you think it's dangerous? And they have no responsibility to reveal whose account it is. Yeah, I mean, or, I mean these 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 other accounts, these alias burner accounts. Think about it with the Sixers too. You're there's trying no to, proof. Yeah, you're trying to attract LeBron James to come play for you, and you've got teams all around the league making fun of the Sixers. NBA players on Twitter making fun of the Sixers. I mean, you've now essentially become a laughingstock with one of the best young teams in in the country. You because don't want LeBron, do you? You want, you know, I don't want to get into that debate, but my point is, is they they're serious players for LeBron, and 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 two years ago that would have been unheard of. Four years ago, impossible, but they're in the conversation, and that that's there. There's something to be said for that. He should just do what's right and stay in Cleveland. Hey, what you watching on TV? Come on, I'm finishing up billions. I'm kind of disappointed, and Westworld is just stupid. You're done with Westworld. You said that last week, so now you're disappointed with billions. No, I like billions. I'll fi- I'll finish it. There's two more episodes left. I have to finish. Do you know what I'm not watching on TV or what I did not watch on TV? What? The Indy 500. I missed it. I totally well, forgot I did. about it. I did too. When we were kids, by the way, it's the last year ABC's covering it. 56 right? straight wow. years. We grew up with ABC, Jackie Stewart, you know. I this mean, is Jackie Stewart. Bobby Unser, Bobby Unser, right. Jim McKay, Jim McKay. Right. You know, and it was Destination Television when we were kids. Remember, they would I tape the light because the race starts at noon. But they would have it on at 8 o'clock at night. Yes. And I remember sitting around, you know, my dad's Italian from Italy, my uncle from Italy. They were always into Formula One. So we grew up on open wheel racing, as they call it. Destination viewing, right? Yeah. Mario Andretti, A.J. Foyt, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, Al Unser Sr., Bobby Al Unser Jr., Bobby Ray Hall. David Letterman. I mean. <laughs> well, he owns a team. But, Sorry. but my, my question to you is, did you watch it this week? I missed it. I forgot all about it. Think and about then, it. I was doing yard work. I could have watched and it. And then the NASCAR race was on that follows it. I'm like, oh, that's right. Was the eight. And plus Monaco. Day, Monaco was on. 600. Monaco was Monaco, on before. Yeah, was on Monaco before. Grand Prix. It's the, Grand Prix. it's the greatest day in racing. The greatest day. But nobody watches the Indy 500 anymore. Well, I don't know about that. People that love racing watched it. But I'm sure ra- the numbers were but fine. But my point is, even the casual racing fan loved the Indy 500. Loved it. Loved it. One minute, boys. I think. All right, I'm not. I don't like. What? It. I, I think it was fine. I'm sure the ratings were fine. It's going to be on iHeart TV. I forgot it. Yes, but, but you growing up, you'd be like the Indy 500s on today. It right. was on every memorial. You always think about it. You'd always, you'd always watch qualifying, like qualifying. We was used to important. broadcast it on our radio station. Yeah, we used I mean, to carry it. That's really? how big it was. Yeah. Real quick. Did you I ever go sh- to the World of Outlaws, Williams Grove Speedway? <laughs> no. Wow. That's kind of fun. By the way, the one year I lived in Indiana when I was getting my graduate degree from Ball State University, I worked at a newspaper in Muncie. And as a big Indy 500 fan, this was my one year to go. When I didn't think about it, I waited too long to schedule off. All my coworkers scheduled off to go to the race. Mm. So I was less than an hour away from the Indy 500, didn't go. So I was really disappointed because I had to work in the office that day. So believe it or not, I figured, okay, I'll listen to it or I'll watch it on TV. Nope. Two hour within a two hour radius of Indianapolis. I don't know if they still do it. They blacked out the race so people go Is to the race. Right? So the only year that I was within an hour of the Indy 500, I couldn't watch the race. I didn't see it. I couldn't I watch it. I hate. I think they're archaic. The blackout rules. Blackout rules. They're stupid, especially sports. in the modern world. Bring it home. Are we? You want me to bring it home? Bring now? it home quick. Hey man, we've had a great show home, today. See what you got. Bring it home. We've had a great show today. I want to thank my former English professor. Dr. Robert Rempe, as well as our founding father, grave searchers, 
Grave Hunters, Joe Farrow and Joe Farrow. We had a great time. Frank, as always, it is an honor and a privilege to be your on-air fiance. I love you, man. Hey. Hey, look at me. No. No, look at me right now. I'm looking at Parksy. Look at me right now. With with his uh, Emerson Phil Paul. Frank, look at me. What? Love you, man. Stop. Hey, Parksy. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always glad to be here. Hey, guys. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. Latour Live, WHP 580, WHP 580.com. And hey, subscribe to us on iTunes. See you later.